Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, as we come to tonight, we ask, O oh Lord, that in everything that you are, in everything that you do, Father, as we confront two major chapters of the Bible, we pray, Father Almighty God, for your wisdom. We pray for your Holy Spirit to take absolute control. We thank you, O oh Lord, for today. And we ask, O oh Lord, that may your name and your name alone be glorified. Eternal Rock of Ages, let your word do exactly what you have intended it to do. Father, perform miracles tonight. Change the lives of many. And we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everybody said, Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight what we're going to do, we're going to confront two chapters of the Bible. Um, we're going to pick out different things from them. We'll get, we'll go through as much as we can, and that will wrap up tonight our study of the book of Philippians. Um, and remember, as we go through the book of Philippians, the general theme that we wanted to focus on tonight was generosity. We wanted to have a look at um, the impact of generosity. Now, one of the things that um, about generosity that we must understand is God is generous. God is absolutely generous. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read through, um, we're going to read through those scriptures. I read in the Bible in basic English. Um, I would love to read through both chapters. Um, what I'll do is we'll break it. I will read through chapter three. Um, we will start talking, we'll break for our declarations. And then by the time we get to 7.30, no matter where we are, we'll switch to chapter four and then read through that for five minutes, talk about that. And hopefully we will have the opportunity to take questions, comments, and may God do exactly as he is intended to do today. I really pray that today God will be kind to all of you. That's my prayer. Okay, so I'm going to read from the Bible in basic English. I'm going to read through. Um, when we're speaking, we will speak from different versions of the Bible. But for now, let's read through Philippians chapter 3. I'll read from 1, and we'll read down pretty much to the end. It's a lovely piece of writing. The Bible says the following, and I'm reading in the Bible in basic English. For the rest, my brothers, be glad in the Lord, writing the same things, writing the same things to you is no trouble to me, and for you it is safe. Be on the watch against dogs, against the workers of evil, and against those of the circumcision. For we are the circumcision who give worship to God and have glory in Jesus Christ and have no faith in the flesh. Even though I myself might have faith in the flesh, if any man has reason to have faith in the flesh, I have more. Being given circumcision on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in relation to the law of Pharisee, 
In bitter hate, I was cruel to the church. I kept all the righteousness of the law to the last detail. But those things which were profit to me, I gave up for Christ. Yes, truly, I am ready to give up all things for the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, which is more than all, for whom I have undergone the loss of all things. And to me, they are less than nothing so that I may have Christ as my reward and be seen in him, not having righteousness, having my righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, in Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, that I may have knowledge of him and of the power of his coming back from the dead and apart with him in his pains, becoming like him in his death if in any way I may have the reward of life from the dead. Not as if I had even now got the reward or had even been made complete, but I go on in the hope that I may come to the knowledge of that for which I was made the servant of Christ Jesus. Brothers, it is clear to me that I have not come to that knowledge, but one thing I do, letting go these things which are past and stretching out to the things which are before I go forward to the mark, even the reward of the high purpose of God in Christ Jesus. Then let us all who have come to full growth be of this mind. And if in anything you are of a different mind, even this God will make clear to you. Only as far as we have got, let us be guided by the same rule. Brothers, take me as your example and take note of those who walking after the example we have given. For there are those of whom I have given you word before and do so now with sorrow, who are haters of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is the stomach, and whose glory is in their shame, whose minds are fixed on the things of the earth. For our country is in heaven, for where the Savior for whom we are waiting will come, even the Lord Jesus Christ by whom this poor body of ours will be changed into the image of the body of his glory in the measure of the working by which he is able to put all things under himself. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, this is um, a lovely piece of writing and we're going to jump at it in two blocks. Let, let's jump at it in uh, actually two or three blocks. Let's see how we go. And so let's start from the beginning. The first thing in between verses, so let's have a look at what happens in verse 1, verse 2, and for verse 1 and 2. So the first thing he says is, for the rest, my brothers, be glad in the Lord. Now, this is something I want us to keep in mind. If we look at Philippians 3, verse 1, in the King James Version of the Bible, the Bible says the following. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To, and he says, rejoice in the Lord. Now, let's keep this in mind. Rejoicing is very different from being in happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. Rejoicing in the Lord is based upon God's personality, God's character, God's track record, God's word the things that God presents himself as. And so when the Bible says rejoice, joy is always a choice. It is not a feeling or an emotion. Joy is a choice. You make 
a choice. And so what I want us to begin to remember, um, please keep this in mind. I, wa I want you to keep in mind today that the, when he starts this verse, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And that is the bottom line. That means no matter what happens next, no matter what we go through, no matter what we are going through, whether it be difficult or whether it be easy, he says rejoice. That means make a choice to believe that what God said about you and I is true. And the Bible then says, and then he goes on to say, okay, and then he says, I want to remind you of the same things. That means I'm going to go over it. And so let's keep this in mind. If you want a reference that will keep what rejoicing is like, you can have... Um, I'll pull it up here in, um, let's pull it up in the, I'll pull it up in the Amplified Bible. Habakkuk 3. Habakkuk 3, reading from verse 17 to 19. Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19, and I'll read it to you, and I hope this ministers to somebody so that we understand that rejoicing is jo joy or rejoicing, that is the action of being in joy based upon God's character and personality, is a choice. I'll read from 17 of Habakkuk chapter 3. I will put it into the chat. Um, Habakkuk chapter 3, I'm reading from 17 to 19. Um, okay. And the Bible says, though the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines, though the product of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls, the Bible then says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. So we realize that Rejoicing in the Lord is not circumstantial because what Habakkuk lays out is a disaster for an agrarian society. The Bible says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the victorious God of my salvation. So God is our victory. And, number, and verse 19 is quite key. And the Bible says the following, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering or responsibility. So, ladies and gentlemen, when we think of when Paul says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, it means you may go through circumstances that do not give you happiness. But in all of them, because of the faithful and personal character of the Lord, we can rejoice. And I wanted to get that out first. So when we look at what we're, what's coming next, we realize our default mechanism when we come into any circumstantial situation. And that doesn't mean it's easy. But the Bible says rejoice. Why? No matter how difficult what we are going through is, God is still God. He is still absolutely in charge and he is still most definitely faithful. And then Paul goes on to say, and I repeat what I've said to you before. And that's how we learn. We learn because we go over it. We talk about it. We think about it. We memorize it. We say it. We meditate on it and so on. 
And that is how we get it into our spirits. And so, ladies and gentlemen, keeping that in mind, I want you just to realize that God's injunction for all of us is to rejoice. And I hope I'm speaking to some, I think I'm speaking to someone. Someone is going through something that they need to realize that the response that God is expecting from you is to rejoice. Okay, we have about 30 seconds before our declaration and we'll do that together. Um, and so if we could put it into the chat, that would be wonderful. Um, if not, okay, fantastic. I'm sure most of you have it memorized by now, um, but when you're leading it, so it's easier to read. So let's read, I'll read, and then if you could say it after me. And so let's say our declarations over our nations together, over our nation together. The Bible says, oh Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble as ourselves. We pray and seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sin and heal our land. In Jesus' name, we pray. We declare that our land is healed in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go on with Paul. A couple of things we want to grab. So the first thing he speaks about is rejoicing. That means even though you're going through a difficult situation, the Bible enjoins you to rejoice. We realize from comparison to where the Bible speaks about rejoicing in Habakkuk, that rejoicing is a choice based upon the faithfulness and ever-present nature of our God. Okay, let's move forward. So now, Paul then speaks about the opposition to the gospel, and he says, beware of such people. Um, and he speaks very clearly that the gospel that we present will be opposed. And, and that's, that's, that is, is standard fare. We realize that um, our Christianity, and we've spoken about this, so I, I won't belabor this point, your Christianity will be played out in a hostile spiritual environment. That means you will have to fight the battles necessary to win. Keep your faith. Your battle you have to win is the battle of keeping your faith. And he says, beware of dogs. Now, I wondered when he said beware of dogs, I wonder what does that mean? Um, looking at it in, uh, I've got the King James Version Plus open, which gives you Strong's, con a Strong's Concordance reference for each word in the Bible. And where the Bible says dogs, it is the Greek word. And it's the Greek word, Kuon, which is a dog or hound, literally or figuratively a dog. But the, a met, the dog is a metaphor for a man of impure mind or an impudent mind man. That means a person that openly disregards God and his word. And he says, beware of such people. And I think that's good advice, irrespective. And there's no need to belabor the point that we're not going to um, pick out any, any um, we're not going to pick out any um, examples, but that's what we want to do. Be careful of people that have a mind that says God is not, um, the scripture we're looking at is Philippians 3, okay, Philippians 3, and we are at verse 2, okay, fantastic. 
All right. And so that's what he's saying. Beware of people with a reprobate mind, people who say things that are directly contrary to the word of God, even though they know better, but they're contrary to it. And he says, beware of it. So that's what the, the Bible speaks of there. It says, beware of evil workers. And that's pretty straightforward. And beware of the concision. Now, concision there is the fledgling church. The opposition came from the Jewish traditionalist church, a Jewish traditionalist religion. And that is, we face the same thing today in, in that it was a cultural expression. Things were changing. People did not understand it. And so people were trying to make it work for them. And so remember, this is what Paul says. And I want to say this key. If you look at verse three, your journey with God is one that you walk with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will open the word to you. He's the one that will convict. He's the one that will give you insight and understanding. And in all sincerity, he will give you the confidence and assurance to go into what we call the new. And so I wanted to keep that in mind, your walk with God. So this is what we say. We say this in Jesus' house. Um, we keep this in mind that our relationship with God is through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. Our relationship with God is through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I want you to keep in mind. So as Paul encourages us, your walk with God, your the greatest friend you have in this dispensation is the person of the Holy Spirit. Build your relationship with God through his guidance and it will all turn out well. And so we'll keep that in mind. Let's skip forward. Now, rather than go um, verse by verse, now we come to a chunk of scripture where Paul makes some very, very interesting things. And this is, while I was looking at this, I will present like we do in the Bible study, I'll present what jumped out at me. And one of the things he said is this, he explains his pedigree, explains his confidence um, that he could have, if he wanted to trust in the things that he had done or things of the flesh. But he said, I counted all of these things. So I'm going to read verse eight. We're going to read from verse, I'll read from verse seven. And verse seven says, but those things which were profit to me, I gave up for Christ. The King James Version says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. And he continues the, the discourse in verse eight. He says, yes, doubtless, and I count all things, I'm quoting from the King James Version of the Bible, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Now, the question you have to ask yourself or that we must answer is why? Why would Paul be willing to say everything I've done and he had done loads? Why, when he came to Christ, he said, I'm willing to put it all down because of what Christ has done. And if you think about it, as, and we're going to go into it, and we're going to have a look at it, this is key. What did Christ give him? When you realize how Paul came to Christ on the road of Damascus, this is found in Acts chapter 9, he 
Jesus said, I have a job for you to do. When Paul comes to Christ, he realizes that once I've come to Christ, this is what my life, my skills, my journey, my purpose is for. And he says, the discovery of that, I am willing to give up absolutely everything else to do what Christ has laid on my heart. And for him was to take the gospel to the Gentile world. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's understand. At that point in time, they the gospel was only primarily preached to the Jews. So for what he was doing, it was new. It was unfamiliar. And in many cases, it was dangerous. When you read the book of Acts, you realize. But the Bible says that he said, everything I've gone through for this one thing, what I'm willing to do, go through, I'm willing to exchange it because this is what I was created for. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me say this to, to, to all of us as we read through this. You are here for something. Let me put it in a phrase that we have lived by for the last 25 years in Jesus' house. And it is this, that we are in pursuit of God. That means our relationship with God is critical. And the second part is the discovering of purpose. Now, why is that so critical? It is as critical as a fish discovering water for the first time. Skills, abilities, latent abilities that were in you that you didn't know when you step into Christ first and then the reason Christ saved you, all of a sudden things come alive. And Paul said for that, for that one thing, it was worth it. And I'll give you an example. It's probably the most satisfying thing when we, and I use this word carefully, many times we stumble onto what God wants us to do. But when we do, it's life-changing. And so let, let me, I'll give you um, an, an, an example. Um, and also hopefully what, what the example I give will help you just point you in the direction of discovering what you're here for. There are certain things you can look for. About five years ago, I realized, strangely enough, and this is, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to really talk about this today. About five, five or six years, I can't remember how many years ago, about five or six years ago, I realized I was going to be, my wife was off on a course, my children were away in school. And so I realized I was going to be by myself on my birthday. And a, a, a desire came into my heart. And a desire came into my heart was that, you know what, I don't want to be by myself, but I want to share my birthday with someone rather, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not a party kind of person. That's, that doesn't, that's, I'm a little bit different there. Um, but I said, Lord, I want to share my birthday with, and I said, Lord, who can I share it with that will appreciate it the most? So I asked an unusual question, who's forgotten? Who is primarily forgotten? And the Lord dropped a group of people in my heart and he said, Anybody who is over 35 and single, 
asked them to come um, on a Saturday. My birthday was on a Saturday. Um, come on a Saturday morning and just spend time with them. Just do what you do well and do what you enjoy doing, which is explaining the Bible. And so I started. And so we made the announcements. Um, church was very gracious. We made the announcements across um, a few services and the morning came. And I, I saw the people come in and, and when they came in, they came in, um, in with the expectation of, you know, it's going to be like a vigil. It's going to be something like heavy. And we had the most amazing time. We laughed. We had fun. We prayed. And I'll never forget. And this is, this is the reason I'm bringing it up. All of a sudden, there was a grace and an ease to do something for this group of people that I had never known before. From that morning, we then went on to do a week of prayer. And that week of prayer changed my life in, in particular. We were meeting from 11 till 1 o'clock in the morning, 11 p.m. to 1 at 1 a.m. By the last session, it was like a midweek service. The place was packed. And the grace and the ease to explain the Bible to this group of people. And this is what I've realized during lockdown as well that people need to realize that they're valuable and that someone wants to invest into them. Those are the kind of discoveries, ladies and gentlemen, that Paul is describing that I'm willing to give up everything because God, this matters to you. And I think if you're thinking about a discovery of what you're here for, a discovery of purpose. And then if you think of our maxim, it is in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing your potential and making an impact. You realize that God will create those opportunities. And Paul is speaking about that. And so when we say, I count all things lost, many people, it's not that he became impoverished. It was just that he discovered that God, this is what I'm wired to do. The second thing I want to talk about in that area is what I'll only speak about one because we have about five minutes. And as Paul goes on all the way down to, he goes on to verse 10 and 11 and he speaks about this. He, two things are key. And I, and I want to just point out one thing. If you're looking how to discover what you're here for, there is one, one, that one part of it that is easy to, easy to explain in two minutes. And it's this. Identify areas of your life where enthusiasm is the driving force. And I'll explain enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is a combination of two words. And enthusiasm is in theos, that means in God, Asm, and that is activity. Wherever you find enthusiasm, take note of that area because it is one of the areas where grace is obviously present. Ephesians chapter 4, reading from verses 7. What is enthusiasm in a simple phrase? It is where energy comes even when you are tired. I've had a relatively easy day, but I'm exhausted. 
But the moment I got to about six o'clock, energy came because I'm excited to be here. I enjoy explaining the Bible. And that is just one of the indicators of this is what you're here for. And Paul said, for that singular discovery, where I realized, Jesus, you saved me for something. I'm willing to give up everything else. And so, ladies and gentlemen, it's something I want you to keep um, to keep in mind. There, you are here for something. No matter how you arrived on the planet, you are here for something that was placed within you before the process of birth, uh, of conception and birth happened. Keep that in mind. Jeremiah 1 verses 4 to 5. Jeremiah 1 verses 4 to 5 is key. And Paul said, for that, I have given up everything. So let me close this out. We're coming up to 7.30. Um, let me close this out. He also says something, and I want to keep want us to keep this in mind. Verse 11, and I'll read it from the King James Version of the Bible. He says, if any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now keep, I'll explain that. Not as though as I had already attained, I'm in verse 12, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ. Now verse 10, let me go back a bit. The Bible ends that he says that, I'll read verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Let me put that in context, those three verses. Hopefully this will help. What was Jesus' singular focus? It was the reason I am here. I am going to endure anything to fulfill God's will for my life. So Jesus' focus was, I must be I must get to Jerusalem. I must give my life as an offering. I must bear the sin of the world so that the desire of the Father to have everybody back in relationship with him becomes a reality. So ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize is this. I just want to say this, and this is what Paul says. First, when the cost of, you, let me put it in a phrase, the cost of your tomorrow will be today. It, you're you're going to have to go through something to purchase your tomorrow. There's a reason you're here and everything around you depends on it. That's the first thing. And when we say conformable unto Jesus's death, notice when Jesus went to the cross, he went willingly. What were his last words? He wasn't screaming in pain or agony. He had been beaten for three days. His back had been torn apart. He had thorns on his head. He had, he had no food or water. He had been nailed to a cross. Bones in his hands were, uh, there were nails in his hands. He had a nail in his feet. His body weight was hanging on three nails. He was hung with two thieves. Now listen carefully. He is in that place. He looks up to heaven and screams at one point. And he says, God, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The agony is much because then he makes a statement that is lucid, not in pain, 
or in anguish, all of a sudden he says this. He says, it is finished. Translated, it is perfectly perfect. Meaning, God, the reason I came to the world, I'm where I'm meant to be. We spoke about this in Philippians 2. And I want you to keep in mind, there is a moment of your life that will make everything else make sense. It is worth fighting for. Okay? Keep that in mind. So let's wrap up the other thing before I move on. Verse 11, when the Bible says, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead, let's put this in context. Life doesn't end on earth. Life ends in eternity. And our focus must be, Lord, I want a better resurrection. I don't just want to be resurrected with you and I'm there and, you know, there's nothing to say. I want a resurrection where you are completely satisfied that what you put within me, I left behind on the earth. And one of the phrases that I hear from Pastor Agu is, is that I will die empty. And, and I see it in Pastor Agu. I, let me use Pastor Agu as an example. His focus for revival, it is all consuming. And please understand, when it has been easy and when it has been tough, that is what I'm talking about. It is that I'm focused on eternity. I'm not focused on the current. And when you have a picture of tomorrow like that, you will be able to endure, as the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, pretty much anything. And that's what Paul is saying, that I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Because when Jesus rose again and went to heaven, as we found out, God celebrated him because he had achieved everything that God wanted. And God outran his desires. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the last thing I'll say about this, and then I'll, we'll go to verse 4. Chapter 4 is this. Notice what it says in verse 12. And I like the way it's old, said in Old English, that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say this to you sincerely. Jesus did not save you for nothing. There is a reason, a purpose, a hope, and a destination that you are here for. There is, you are somebody else's miracle. And so Paul speaks about that. And then he goes on to explain that he's still on the journey and we'll leave that be the rest, ladies and gentlemen, pick it up in the study in your own time. I want to go to chapter four so we can finish. But that was one of the big things I noticed in that particular chapter. And it really, it rocked my world. It rocked my world. Um, it was very humbling. So let's go to chapter four, Philippians four. Now, um, I'll read from one. Again, this is lovely scripture. And I'm going to read from one. I'll read in the Bible in basic English, and I hope you're enjoying it so far. So it's, we're shifting a bit. Now we are in Philippians 4. The Bible says the following. So my brothers, well-loved and very dear to me, my joy and crown, be strong in the Lord, my loved ones. I make request to Euodius and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I make request to your true to you, true helper in my work, to see to the needs of those women who took part with me in the good news, with Clement and the rest of my brother workers whose names are in the book of life. Now notice he's speaking to a person. 
he speaks details. And so please, ladies and gentlemen, let me put that in context. When you get the desire to send a text message or a, a note to somebody just to encourage them, especially if they labor in teaching the word or praying for you or serving you in any way, an usher or somebody who parks your car, please go ahead and do it because encouragement works and being appreciated works. So I just wanted to drop that in. Okay, let's go to verse four. The Bible says, be glad in the Lord at all times. There it is again. And again, I say, be glad. Then he says, let your gentle behavior be clear to all men. The Lord is near. Verse six. Now, I'm going to switch to the King James Version of the Bible to read from six. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse eight, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Verse nine, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you are also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, famous verse. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Verse 14. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Verse 15, now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account but I have all and abound. I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which you that were sent from you an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God our Father be glory forever, amen. 21, salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you, and all the saints salute you chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful chapter. So let's go from verse four, because we, we have got there. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Again, we've spoken about that. Ladies and gentlemen, rejoicing is key. Let your moderation. Now, I'll read this in the Bible in basic English, let your gentle behavior be clear to all men, the Lord is near. How you act, 
how you speak and how you interact with others is the gospel that they will read and understand. That's how they'll get to know Jesus. So please keep that in mind. But the, there are two big themes that he, that he picks up on, and I want to pick up on both. The first one is prayer. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Now, let's put this in context. Prayer connects you with the ability and power of God. He says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Let me pause here. And I want you to keep in mind verses six, seven, and eight. If you are in any doubt as to what prayer is, please listen to Sunday's message. That's the Sunday previous to this one. You'll find it. If you listen to this on the podcast, it's available Thanksgiving Sunday, December 2020. Please listen. It explains our journey into conversational prayer. Pastor Agle broke it down beautifully. Notice that in everything by prayer, think about it. That means in everything you're going through, you're looking for a parking space in Tesco's, pray about it. You're looking to do a multi-million dollar deal, pray about it. You're looking to marry someone, definitely pray about it. Pray about it because God wants to guide you. And then it, the Lord breaks it into three. I would love to break it all down. We don't have time, but I want you to notice what he says. Pray about it. Supplication is a request or an appeal for mercy. Thanksgiving is an acknowledgement that what you have asked for has been done, even though it may not be in your hands. The Bible says the outcome of those two things are this. God will take over and the peace of God, which doesn't make any sense. It passes all understanding. It will guard two parts of you, your hearts and your minds, where your words and your thoughts come from. Verse eight is key. And so please keep this in mind. Many times when we pray, we remain agitated. That's because we leave out the third part of the process. And the third part of the process is control what you goes in your mind and into your heart. The Bible says, whatever things are true, that means you have to consciously make sure what goes into your thought process after you have prayed does not kill what you have started. How, and let me give you an example. It's the same thing as planting, going to buy very expensive packs of seeds, let's say of roses. You plant them, you go through all the work of planting them, you clear the ground, you put them in your garden, you plant them. And then when you have finished planting them, and they're all lined up, you've labeled them, you've told your family, I'm expecting roses. You wake up in the morning and you get weed killer and you water your plants with weed killer. That's what worry does. Worry will kill what you've put in the ground. So control your thought life because if you can control your thought life, the results that will come to you will be remarkable. This is what, and this is the part that, and notice that is not God's responsibility. It is ours. 
It is not God's responsibility, it is ours. What that means, ladies and gentlemen, is you can control what you think about, what you come to believe, and what you come to accept as true by determining what goes in to your heart. Keep this in mind. Please, please, please keep this in mind. And it's with it. I, I can hear scriptures flying through my head, but you know what? I'll keep it simple. The guard your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Um, you'll find it also in Matthew chapter 13, reading from verses 9 and 10. The Jesus lays out the gates of your heart. He says, what your eyes see and what your ears hear will govern what your heart understands. So those things are under your control. So when you pray, create an environment, a greenhouse effect by what you think about. Do not listen to stories of, oh, but this person prayed and it didn't work. This person prayed and it didn't work. This, uh, this is where the Bible says, and this is the exception. No, no, no. Focus on stories. Focus on, notice what the list says there. Anything true, anything honest, anything worthy of praise, anything lovely, anything that you can hold on to, anything that's wholesome. This afternoon, I watched The Prince of Egypt, the cartoon. It's wholesome. It's just great. And it creates an atmosphere where prayers are answered. Okay. So that's one of the big themes I found. The last theme I noticed was the one about giving. And it's very interesting. When we talk about giving, we always start from our part where we make an action or we sow. And Paul speaks about the fact that they were very generous to him. But notice the key, and I will, I, I'm doing this deliberately. The key about provision is found in verse 19 and we work backwards. So, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Meaning that whatever need you have, God has already provided the answer for it. The Bible bears this out. That's the starting point of your journey on generosity. It is because God has met your needs that we then respond in kind to others so that from what we have, we realize that, Lord, we can share with others knowing that, Lord, you have already made available what we require in this particular situation. Provision is God's idea. And let's settle something. When God provided in the book of Genesis chapter two, which is the first place where we realize, notice when God provides everything for mankind, look at Genesis one and two, notice God provided before a request was made. So let me speak into your life. That whatsoever you are believing God for, it has already been provided and may God grant it to you. Now, Paul says, based upon that reality, that God is the source of my provision, generosity towards others in need now becomes normal and it's not in amount. 
It is a mindset. It is a heart set. It is the reality that God, you know what? You have blessed me. And I really would like to share that with others. The Lord, and so what happens is, Paul says, you heard about my needs. You sent once and again. And then he speaks of it. When you give like that, although you do not reap where you sow, but you will definitely reap what you sow. And the trigger is this. They met Paul's need and the God who sent Paul will bless them because that's what he's made available. And let me put it in context. And so one of the, the things about today for me, and I'll use this as an example, and then if we have time for questions, I will take them. I thought about my our wife asked me, what do you want to do on your birthday? And I said, I just want to take the Bible study. And she looked at me like, are you for real? And I said, yeah, because not only do I enjoy it, I absolutely love teaching the Bible. But as the day has worn on, I realized that God has a desire to give. And so if it takes me just sowing one hour into your life on a Monday, hopefully where you are blessed, I realize, God, that's enough. Am I doing it so that God will reward me? No, I'm doing it because I just sense that that's what God wants to do. A reward is never governed by your action. It is governed by how the person values your action. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is what happens when you're giving. Generosity is not trying to drag out of an unwilling God resources. It is just where you and the Lord become co-laborers together, where he has a need and you become the hands, the eyes, the feet, and the fact that I will make it happen. Let me pick on, I could pick on um, <laughs> one, there are loads of stories, but think about it. God told Elijah, 1 Kings 17, that I have commanded a widow woman to feed you. When Elijah meets the widow woman, she says, I have very little. And by the way, my son and I are about to die. But then Elijah says, you know what? Make a little cake for me first. And he sends her off with a prophecy. He said, hear the words of the Lord. He says that the barrel of meal will not become empty and neither will the oil go down. Please realize, notice, when God had said to Elijah, I have commanded a widow woman to feed you, that means if God has provided a seed, seeds are never separated from harvests. So many times, the miracle you're looking for is on the other end of an act of generosity. The miracle that you and I are looking for, what do we hope, is because we make it happen for somebody else. And if we can keep it simple, hopefully generosity will become a lifestyle. I can tell you stories after stories after stories, whereby it's, <laughs> and some of them are funny, some of them are not. 
But believe me, generosity opens the doors of the miraculous. Um, oh, let me put it in context. Um, let me pick on one. I actually didn't prepare to share. Um, let me pick on one. Oh, that's interesting. One of the things I found, let me use something other than finances so that you realize it works. A few years ago, I had a reasonable size car and there was a particular person who always used to finish late in our office. And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm driving home. So when you're working late, let me know and I'll drop you because her house was on, the, on my way home. So I'll drop you off at home. And so, you know, two or three times I'd done that time and time again. And I just found that my, I was just, you know, I'll, I'll give lifts to people. And sometimes I will surprise people that they'll say, I'll ask them, where are you living? Oh, pastor, you can drop me here or drop me at the station. And I'm thinking, what, I should drop you at, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of nowhere. And those kind of things went on. And the car was relatively old. To cut a long story short, on my 49th birthday, I received a car I could not buy as a gift. Please hear me. Generosity will open the doors of the miraculous faster than anything else you find. Why? That's how God functions. And so I think I've said enough on that. And ladies and gentlemen, the last thing, if you have any, I really thank you for all the birthday messages, but if there are any questions, that you have or anyone that are burning, pop them into the chat. We have about five minutes left. If we can't answer them today, please send them as an email and we will get the answers to you. But let me say this, and this is something else I wanted to do on my birthday. Birthdays are about gifts. And so let me ask God to give you one. And so I ask whatsoever you are believing God for, my desire was, because birthdays are all about joy and gifts. And my desire is this, and I'll focus on one verse of scripture, Genesis 21, verse 1 to 2. And Genesis 21, verses 1 to 2 is very key because the Bible says that God visited Sarah and he caused what he had said to come to pass. I pray this evening, and this is, I pray that the gift God gives you is that he would visit you and that whatsoever he has promised you, irrespective of whether it is miraculous or impossible, may God grant it to you. I pray also that if there's anybody here that is believing God for healing, I pray that the word of God will find a place in your heart and God will heal you. I pray finally that if there's anyone who is believing God to meet any need, financial or otherwise, that may God give it to you as a gift. May God cause mercy, mercy to happen 
on your behalf so that your needs are met way beyond your wildest desires. What's the foundation of my prayers? Psalm 37 verse 4. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. The desire of my heart is that God will give you a gift today. Ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Amen. Budge, I'm going to have to interrupt you. <laughs> I, you know what? I had a sneaky feeling this was going to happen. You I, had a sneaky okay, ladies and gentlemen, the call is over. Don't so worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. The call is not over yet. We've still got a few minutes. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, um, we just wanted to make sure that today didn't end without <laughs> why are you laughing but i'm laughing because i had a sneaky feeling that this was gonna happen well, i just felt the i die um I, i'm sure every single one of you i think we've we're about 180 something on the call um and i know most of most of us have been uh consistent on at monday bible study and over the last few weeks and months we have been incredibly blessed by badge pastor badge and uh we just thought today must not end without us sharing our appreciation i know that uh, a number of you have been posting things on the chat box but then um I, I i wanted us to do something very very significant in fact it it it, it didn't surprise me that on his birthday badge was the one prayed for you guys but uh, because that's his heart. And, you know, talking about generosity, it, it, it is somebody that exemplifies that um, in every single way. I, I haven't met many people as kind as him. And um, tonight, I just wanted every single one of us to thank God on his behalf, to really, really say to heaven that we appreciate this man of God, this servant of God, this child of God, um, I, I know there are 180 something of us, but um, can I can I get one or two people? Um, I don't want to choose. Let it be spontaneous. Can I get one or two people to just appreciate Pastor Badge on our behalf? Um, if you if you put up a hand, um, actually, you know what? Let me choose. Otherwise, it might be too chaotic. May May, I'm choosing you as our representative. Can you just appreciate Pastor Badge on our behalf? tonight may or do a Tola, can you unmute may for me and then may if you're going to appreciate on our behalf we have to see your face you can't do it in black you can't do it in blackness please <laughs> they're gone yes i'm here <laughs> on behalf okay, of all of uh, us um pastor bad well um, Father Lord, I just want to thank you for your son, for our father, our surrogate father, just many of us, for being an uncle, a brother, pastor, so much more um, to many of us. I thank you for his birthday. I thank you, Lord, for the gift that he is to us. I thank you for the way you have used him. I thank you for the way you'll continue to use him, Father. I thank you for the purpose you have 
given him for that passion to share your word with so many people, for the passion that he has to spread your word, for it to make some a change in so many people. Lord, we can see the delight it brings him. We see the joy in him. And I know, Lord, that as well, you delight when you hear him preaching, when you hear him teaching others about you and his love for you. So, Father, this evening, we just want to raise him to you and say thank you, Father, for the gift that he is. Thank you, Father, for his birthday. Thank you, O Lord, for the way you bless him. And we're asking you, O God, to continue to bless him, to continue to bless his family, continue to empower him. And Lord, this is, let this just be, as it were, not a beginning, but halfway through that which you have given him to do. There's more to come, Lord. We know there's more to come. And we thank you, Lord, for what is to come. We pray in the name of my of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Okay, thanks, May. Um, now, guys, I as May was praying, I, I just thought, you know what? More than one person. Why not all of us pray for Pastor Badger? Because I'm sure every single one of you has a prayer in your heart. My dilemma now has just been wondering: should we unmute everybody and all pray together? Um, I don't know whether it's going to be manic or not, but I'd love to hear your voices. Um, I, do you promise to behave yourselves, guys, if we unmute everybody? Do you? Okay, uh, Tola, <laughs> Tola okay, can you do that for a minute? Let, let's just pray for him from the bottom of our hearts for a minute, yeah? Everybody, everybody. Okay, Tola, just unmute everybody. Okay, guys. Just, just pray from your bottom of your heart. Thank you Start to bring our prayers to a close. Father. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Lord, we just come, all, every single one of us, we come together tonight to lift up your son before you, God. What an incredible gift he has been to us. Uh, what, what a heart that you have given him, oh God, for your people. And Lord, first of all, we say thank you for 
him being a gift to humanity. Thank him for him being a gift to the body of Christ. Thank him for him being a gift to Jesus' house. And then thank you for him being a gift to this Bible study class or family. Father Lord, I pray that every seed that he has sown in our lives over the last few months, may they be multiplied on this day of his birthday, oh God. Amen. Father Lord God Almighty, he has been the one lifting us up, oh God. Today on his birthday, I ask that you will lift him up, oh God. Amen. I ask everlasting Father, that Lord, that every desire of his heart, those secret petitions that he has for himself, for his family, for his future, may today mark the day that heaven will say the time has come to bring them to pass, oh God. Amen. Lord, remember your son for good. And may all his sacrifices that he has sacrificed on your altar, may they cause the windows of heaven to open over his life, oh God. Father, Lord God Almighty, I pray that concerning your son, Pastor Badge, his future will be far greater than his past everlasting father. We bless you, we honor you, and we glorify your name, O Lord God Almighty. Lord, surprise him today, O God, with a special birthday present. Surprise your son, O God. Thank you, Almighty God, and may his joy be full. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Badge, um, on behalf of every single person, we just want to say we really, really love you. We appreciate you. Um, you know, that's your favorite phrase, but we are saying that God will be kind to you. Amen. Uh, in, in more ways than you can imagine. I am genuinely humble. Thank in you. more ways than you can imagine. Thank you so much. God bless you. genuinely humble. Now, guys, we're going to do one last match thing. And the last mad thing is that we're going to unmute again and let's yeah. sing a happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah, all, of, yeah. all of you that have good, lovely voices, this <laughs> is the time to shine. <laughs> okay, so unmute everybody again. So I will count up to three and give it your best for Pastor Badge. One, two, three, go. Happy birthday to you. We love you. Happy birthday to you. Okay, guys. Okay, okay, guys. One last thing from me. So, anyway, once again, um, Badge, 
Happy birthday. God bless you. And ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful night. Have a wonderful night. Amen. May Thank God you, be you too, Pastor Shalom. Amen.